everybody. Welcome to Across the Bifrost. This is the Mighty Thor podcast, where on each and every episode, we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. Today's episode is a special episode. I know I say that a lot. It's because we we have a lot of special episodes, don't we, Will? We talk we to do. a lot of awesome people, and yeah. today is one of those episodes. We are joined by I, I don't even know how to say this. I've been reading this guy's comics for so long. I, I kind of don't remember the first time I encountered his work in comics, but our guest today is Marvel letterer Joe Sabino. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know what, Will? It does feel like an honor. Like It, it, it mm-hmm. feels like we're, we're marching closer and closer to War of the Realms, and we needed somebody to come on the show and and tell us what it was like to put these comics together and who better who better than joe uh, i know and and if you open up that front page of the comic and you look at the team yeah who puts I'm, I'm this right now. comic together there's a list of names you would think like oh you know just a couple people work on a, a funny book and just put a it few. out on the you know put it on the spinner rack and then they sell it on on wednesday at the new new comic day yeah. on, on comic shops but if you look at that team there's a whole host of people that work together as a team to make sure that you have a full story and that it all works together in a coherent uh manageable uh <laughs> flow that that will draw you into the story and i'm pretty stoked that we get to talk to the, if not one of the most important parts of the comic but often forgotten the letter the one who puts the words together on the page so it doesn't get in the way of the art but lets the art flow they have some important decisions to make so i'm i'm very excited to uh, pick joe's brain and get to know his story and who he is because uh he does important work in the realm of comics oh stop uh you know you know what will we should probably just ask joe about his story let's do that so joe for our listeners um we just want to know like the question we kind of start our conversations with is where in the nine realms do you call home okay well i guess technically new jersey and midgard (laughs) jersey and midgard yes Yeah. yeah But uh, yeah, if I had to hang out anywhere, it'd probably be like Nidavellir or Alfine, because I feel like those are the two you're least likely to get killed on. So, <laughs> so, so you're not looking to get into the heat. You're not no. looking like no. you're like I'm gonna go hang with dwarves. I'm gonna go hang with light elves. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it simple. Like <laughs> I'm not looking for uh, life-threatening scenarios. <laughs> the safest yeah. place. The I, safest I, place. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people go with Muspelheim, but um, I'm going to take a pass on that one. <laughs> nice. our, our our friend uh, Martin Cocolo decided he was like Muspelheim. I'm like, why? <laughs> it's that sounds <laughs> terrible. Demons and he's apparently that's his bag. But Joe, you're the first one to say Alfheim or Nadavalir, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been asking that question for a long time, and no one's ever said those before. Yeah. But, uh, great choices fun to hang out with and yeah well joe we a lot of people like when when they when they open up a comic like will was just saying like they'll see your name there Mm -hmm. on the credits uh and and that story had to originate and start somewhere so i'm i'm curious what are some of your like first memories of comics and superheroes and this this medium of telling stories yeah i um I had my mom's cousin had bought me one of the Fantastic Four issues and 
I just, I was kind of blown away by the art in that. I always loved art. I was always drawing. And then the uh, Marvel Universe trading cards came out. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I would sit and just redraw those for hours and hours and hours. And it hit the point where when I was five years old, if you'd asked me what I want to do for a living, I would have worked for Marvel. And so. Wow. You've been living the dream, like the, the childhood <laughs> dream. Yeah, I just kind of stumbled into it. It wasn't intentional. So, <laughs> so, so you said like, your first your first comic was Fantastic Four. Did you have a favorite like a favorite superhero when you were when you were five and you already decided you wanted to work for Marvel? Oh, I was I was a straight up Spider Man fan. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, like he's my number one. Everything is Spider Man, Spider Man, Spider Man. <laughs> do Do you remember the first time you got to work on a Spider Man book? Like just jumping ahead real quick in our conversation when you got to work on a Spider Man book. Or put words to Peter Parker, like here it is. Right, I get to like, throw yeah. some words and word balloon up on on Peter Parker. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know, like the first time I got to was in the bullpen at Marvel. I got to like composite a Spider Man book, and I got my name in it for production. And I was just like, I worked on a Spider Man book. <laughs> <laughs> and but, that was like enough enough for you wasn't it <laughs> yeah that was pretty thrilling because i i had no clue i'd actually be on the creative side of things eventually mm -hmm. um so yeah that that's my like and my name is spider-man book and i think as far as working on a spider-man comic it may have been like one of the marvel adventures oh okay or something I, I did a lot of the kids like lot. marvel action stuff like that yeah i'd have to go and dig through my trades but i i think it was like marvel adventures or something okay intended for a younger audience there yeah because they did those digests kind of similar to manga where they would be like hey we're going to target kids and put these adventures in like these little digest uh books and stuff the graphic novels but they were like digest that's i i remember those those were those were good stuff joe do you still have that fantastic four comic that you got that they bought you that kind of was the gateway to the joy of comics <laughs> i gateway do comic. I would have to go, it's in my parents' basement. I'd have yeah. to go to my little long box of comics from when I was a kid. And yeah. Yeah, I guess after that's the, uh, excuse me, what? <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I still have my boxes from when I was a kid too, yeah. And then uh, from there, it just, uh, I'd go to comic shops just because I love the art and I would buy any cool cover I saw. So, like back then, they had the glow in the dark Ghost Rider cover and oh. things like that. And I, or I think it was like Wolverine 50 or something where it had like the claw marks through cardboard on the cover. Yep. Like yes. all those covers from the 90s, I'd buy all those. I, I wouldn't even read them, I would just buy them because I love the art. So, yeah. <laughs> so, when you're in these comic book shops uh are you at the age where like you're having those like creative like you're drawing or you're writing or you're you're doing you're being creative in other ways were those your first memories of being creative um i was just i was always drawing always doodling i like i had to have parent teacher conferences in middle school because they'd be they're like the average kids taking three four page notes and Joe's just saying they're drawing and doodling and 
<laughs> okay, so I've got I've got to know. So you go to the principal's office because you're you're essentially you know you're, you're practicing for your for your inevitable job with Marvel as as the five year old decided. You're 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 just like you're practicing. You're like I history english whatever like i don't i don't need this i'm gonna work for marvel someday um like did you have anything like that you drew then that you're like oh man like this this like this is worth getting in trouble for or was it just kind of that absent-minded free flow um yeah so they had me go and get one of my notebooks and i brought it to them and they opened it up (laughs) this was the 90s and there was a gloved hand with a knife stabbing a blonde woman. <laughs> Tagline underneath it, OJ did it. <laughs> so- oh my God. <laughs> wow. That's Joe so knew everybody. Good. Joe knew. It Joe raised my eyebrows. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not that's proud. <laughs> no, that's, but that's I a mean, quality, that's a quality origin story of how you got into graphic, <laughs> graphic novels and lettering. Yeah, right? yeah like, emphasis it, it, on the graphic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Did you have a, a moment where like you were like you discovered the art of lettering, or what was like your introduction to that part of of the the comic creation side of things? Um, so yeah, it's kind of, I went a really roundabout way. I earned a degree in computer animation. I had a friend who graduated the year before me. His name's Rich Ginter. He was, he applied for a job at Marvel and he was asking me scanning questions and I'm a weirdo. I knew what scanning standards were. And so he got the job and about a year later i was finishing up my senior thesis and he just texted me at 11 p.m on a thursday night He's like hey you want to come work for marvel and so i was just like well that'll be resume candy sure i'll do it so they emailed wow. me an application friday morning i filled it out emailed it back and then i think it's like the following monday i started and uh i launched the <laughs> or as part of launching the um well, back then it's digital comics. It's now the the Infinity Comics. Infinity Comics. Um, yeah. Yeah. So was it the Ultimate app? I guess so. It's like the early days before is an app. Or, right. Oh, Infinity. Yeah. So I helped launch that. I drew all the little square panels, and we had to format all the comics from like 1935 up to present day. So wow um it's it's a lot of fun and they just needed someone who knew how to work all the programs didn't have to be trained and could just come in and hit the ground running and so my friend recommended me that's how i got in there and then um a year about a year year and a half of that i went to uh they moved me over to the bullpen where we composite the current books so that's where i first encountered lettering because uh, we would have to retouch art or fix art or make last minute corrections to lettering. And so um, drop ads in the books, design recaps, stuff like that. So it's in the bullpen for about another year and a half. Well, I can, I can see it. There's so many questions running through your head and there's a ton running through mine. So go, you go for it first. Then I I call the next one. Okay. Um, So, so I think it's pretty interesting that like, this kind of emergence of digital comics 
um, you know, and, and trying to find apps and trying to find people to get in like digitally, they brought you like, we need people, we need folks to come in and help us do this. And someone knew you and said you had the gifts and brought you in. And then eventually they're like, all right, here, here are like the printed part. But like, for those who don't know, when you say the Marvel bullpen, I think I know in my head what that means, but like, mm-hmm. what do you mean when you say Marvel bullpen, they brought you in? What, what does that mean? Yeah. So <laughs> for me, the Marvel bullpen is about six of us goofballs sitting in a print room together, just like working on comics all day and joking around. <laughs> oh, okay. that sounds amazing. <laughs> so, you're, so you're in person, you live in New Jersey, but you, you go into New York and you go to like Marvel, like the offices in New York City and you sit in the bullpen, you guys work together and work on comics and kind of like, it's like baking bread or like baking sausage. You all get together and like, let's do this. Let's create create some comics together (laughs) yeah is is um yeah i'd go in every day it's uh takes me about 60 minutes from door to door Mm -hmm. where i am in new jersey and yeah (laughs) the funny thing was my friend rich told me not to wear nice clothes on my first day that's the only advice he gave me (laughs) and so i show up in a sweater and khakis and I stuck out like a sore thumb. Like I was, I was definitely the new guy. And the next day I definitely just showed up in a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah, that's my kind of place. I love he, that. He, he walked in there like, oh, look at the king here. Yeah. Sweater <laughs> in his khakis. Oh right. my goodness. He belongs on the 11th floor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir. The penthouse is a few floors up. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, because when I was there, um, the all the legal finance all the bean counters everyone was upstairs so all this were on like the 11th floor and then all the creatives all the editors and everyone like that uh was on the 10th floor okay there's a separation (laughs) so so Will you 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 stole my question and you know you know I love it when you steal my question because because I love Joe like I think for a lot of us fans, like the idea of like, we, we've heard like other things like, oh, the bullpen isn't a real thing. Or it's like, it's it's not what you think it is. Because um, like, I have this idealized version of like, oh, it's it's Stan Lee jumping on desks and like screaming things at people and, you know, acting out what he wants Dr. Doom to do in the next issue. And <laughs> and then, um, then I had heard like, oh, no, no, like actually like there's writers and pencilers and artists like all over the world that do this. Mm-hmm. But you're saying like, like, is it largely like editors, letters, production, like kind of the finishing touch, like that side of people that are, are compositing the, the bullpen? Um, yeah. So, I mean, the editors are running in and out because they had their own offices. But yeah, okay. there are probably like six of us and maybe an intern or two who just sat in a room together. <laughs> wow. Files would come in, art files, lettering, and you smush them all together, throw the ads in, throw the logos on the covers, and upload the book to print. So, so uh, two quick follow-up questions. What is yeah. the weirdest ad you've had to put in a comic? It's <laughs> ad. I don't <laughs> like Marvel books like back in the day, like if you read like old 60s and 70s when it's like, you know, send in five cents and get live seahorses. You know, it's yeah. like that. Like any, have you come across anything weird like that in, in your many years of putting together these ad pages? No. Um, okay. 
the the back of my head is in one of them because uh i guess they're promoting the new online like read all the comics online in the web browser thing and so there's a picture of me sitting at a computer and i guess is promoting whatever the digital you thing. made an ad you're it, you're I the mean, ad i'm in an ad that's the beginning <laughs> the end of my modeling career nice <laughs> nice it's like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like early 2000s, 2000s is like all energy monster energy drinks, and like that's that's probably the ads that was going on. But then, like, someone walks in and they're just like, "Hey, uh, everybody, turn your chairs around." Um, yeah. Who's who's got the best looking back of their head? That's oh, right. you know what, Joe? Today's your lucky day, man. <laughs> yeah. I, guess I must have won some sort of contest. I don't know. <laughs> we gotta you find were, that comic. Were, randomly selected i'm gonna uh, go well, find that comic in the back issue somewhere i'm gonna go looking I'll autograph it. it yeah yeah it. it'd be somewhere probably around like 2008 i, I nice. would assume okay well we have our assignment when we go our assignment uh back issue uh uh diving uh mm -hmm. well and joe you were mentioning that you know you work with the, this this smaller group of people like in the bullpen and um like will and i know because we've read so many issues of thor it shows up all the time but can you explain what vc means before a letterer or production person's name because uh, often like uh, if you read a marvel comic now it's like vc's joe sabino vc's cory pettit you know um mm -hmm. the these artists have this little moniker ahead of ahead of their names what is what does vc mean joe all right, VC is Chris Iliopoulos group, and it's uh, it stands for Virtual Calligraphy. So he's uh, he's the head of it, and then there are, I guess what six of us or so that handle basically Marvel's entire catalog. Now, now is that is that technically who you work for, or do you technically work for Marvel? Is it, or are you guys like a like a subset team? How does that yeah. work with you guys? Basically, like. Chris has the contract with Marvel and we all work like for Chris or under Chris's umbrella. So, okay. We're, awesome. we're independent, but we work for him. So. Okay. And I, um, I, a little while ago, I was, um, I, I, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, uh, but I, I listened to an interview with Ariana Mayer mm -hmm. um, and she, she mentioned you. Uh, and I was, uh, I was like, okay, she's going like in depth on like how she learned lettering and like what it means to her. She's talking about all these different things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is the most I've heard someone on a show talk about the art of lettering. And I was hoping maybe you could explain to, to listeners what, what is lettering and why is it important hmm. when it comes to a, a finished comic? Um, lettering well i mean we're we're the words we're the balloons we're the screams the yells the emotions um basically it's our job to translate the words into art almost and convey whatever the writer is trying to put on the page and have it in sync with the art so is um, it and oh, go ahead will no, I was just gonna say, like, um, if you if you follow Joe on Twitter, his his cover art, his cover page is someone getting kicked in a certain area with, um, with with uh, the sound effect of what that is, and the letters and the font, and it's pretty rad. So, like, yeah, I mean, when I think about like 
like what these words and sound effects do on the page to draw out what the story is. Yeah, they're, they're silent panels, they're silent pages that express what the author and the artist are trying to express of what's going on in the story. Picture book, you know, my wife is a professor of language and literacy. And so she, you know, teaches language and literacy to teachers and what books can do from starting at one and two years old. They could pick up a book and start turning page, learning and read. But here in these graphic novels and comic books, yeah, what words, what are they saying? What are they expressing? What are they thinking? I mean, thought balloons, but... Um, yeah, all that going on the page is 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 pretty incredible. So in the process, are you at the tail end, like you get the art, do you read the script beforehand and try to see what they're, what the author's trying to convey? And then the, then you get the art and then you kind of place it on the page where you are in that process of like the assembly line of creating the comic. So we are at the tail end of the assembly line. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. So for us, a lot of times that means everything gets hot potatoed to us. It's mm -hmm. it comes in, it's gotta go out. I, I've had turnarounds that it'll come in 9 p.m. on a Thursday night and it's supposed to go to print at like 5 p.m. on Friday would be like the cutoff. And wow. Wow. you <laughs> got to turn that around as quickly as possible. So <laughs> that holy crap <laughs> yeah so we, it's quite we get, the work day <laughs> yeah we usually get the script and the art at the same mm -hmm. time if we're lucky we get colored art but a lot of times the process is so quick that we work off of inks wow wow so, so listeners i'm just telling you you like appreciate every step of the process i was trying to last night joe I, I had dinner with my with my parents and my dad was like, who are you talking to on the podcast? I was like, oh, I'm talking to Joe Sabino. He's a letter production guy. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm fawning because I've read so many comics um, that have had your name in them. And I'm just like, oh, I'm excited to ask him this. And my dad, who knows nothing about comics, uh, looks at me and he's like, so it's just words. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 dad, you don't understand. You don't understand. Like, if they don't do like this doesn't happen the comic doesn't happen like it's mm -hmm. like every single and i'm explaining like what i know about each part of the process and he's like he's like oh okay i think i'm starting to see it and i'm like there we go and a comic book fan was born um so <laughs> i'm curious <laughs> joe because we are you've worked on so many different books um mm -hmm. so many different titles um with so many different creators but how did you find out that you would be doing thor um like when you did your first issue do you remember what that was who you would be working with um no i actually really don't it's more or less i guess chris decided to hand the book off to me and you just you get this script and the art and you just run with it so yeah. there's no time to really sit and like fawn over it or think about it it's just like okay here's the style template for thor go <laughs> and and i'm glad you said that because thor does have a distinct template like with the the asgardian lettering did you like there was that a conscious decision at some point like hey all of our asgardians get this lettering at at some point i believe so is uh is established before i was working on it but okay yeah, so asgardians all get different fonts um <laughs> Humans have the normal font. If they're not as guardian, they're basically usually getting the same font. But 
I did notice um, in a few of the issues we're not talking about today, but in our last episode, we talked about the uh, what, what I what I've affectionately called the Thor and Loki go to hell storyline, where <laughs> uh, the Queen of Cinders is doing a lot of her talking and like her bubbles are very different because they're all very like fiery and they kind of look like magma on the outsides and her 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 font is very like it, it feels very evocative of what what would she sound like. Oh, that that is what she would sound like. Is that a, when you go into a process of giving a character their voice, you know, not just their words, like, mm-hmm. is that something you process through um, with great detail? I, I, I'm, I'm I just curious how you determine what the bubbles and what the words themselves are actually going to look like. Yeah, sometimes uh, it'll be a request of the writer. Um, so I, I know. Um, Donnie Cates a lot of times will request <laughs> something specific for like the dark winter or did I have that right black winter sorry yes yeah you got it there yeah black winter so like he had a very specific request for that solid balloon sometimes it'll just be legacy I think um with those balloons they were Satur's style and like Muspelheim, those characters, if they're large or powerful, will get that style balloon. Okay, if I remember correctly? Yeah. So there, so there are there are like templates for, especially because like in Thor books, you're dealing with so many different like other species and races of yeah. like you frost giants and fire demons and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I've I have noticed like throughout like if I read a. Um, and this, no, I'm not like disparaging anybody that works on this book, but if you read like a, like a Captain America book, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to expect a lot of difference in like the, the, the lettering and the word balloons, but like I read a Thor comic, it's like, yeah. well, everyone's got their own way of talking and everyone's got their own bubble. And it, so I, I've, your, your work <laughs> has especially stood out in these books because everything feels like it changes all the time um with you know from realm to realm and species to species um but uh it's uh it's it's been a lot of fun to read the comics you've been a part of because um and after i i kept reading and reading i was like hold on i'm seeing joe's name a lot in these books (laughs) and i i know like uh, you know i jason's run ends around 100 issues walt simonson did just about 50 uh, you know, Kirby did around a hundred. I'm like, there's a lot, but there's a lot of Joe Sabino in here though. How, like, does he have the most Thor issues? And, uh, we were talking, uh, uh, just before we started, what, how many issues did you, did you guesstimate you had done before Donnie's run had started? Before Donnie's run, I think if I counted correctly, I was up around 280 after War of the Realms. That's including the main title, like all the tie-ins and all the linked series and all that I, stuff. But <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. it's just you've worked on so many books, like so many books I've read, so many books I've I've, I've yet to read. Um, uh, you've uh, if I if I'm right, you you've worked with Straczynski, uh, mm-hmm. Fraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, jason aaron uh who we're spotlighting this year 
Uh, and we're gonna actually talk with Joe about a few comics in just a minute here. Uh, now with Donnie, um, and did you you also uh, lettered the uh, Jane Foster uh, Mighty Valkyrie series, right? Yep, yep. With Torin and uh, Mike Dowling. Yep, yep. Worked with them. Fantastic. And yeah, <laughs> I know Torin brought up the uh, How to Horse Guide, and yeah, that I I received that as well. So <laughs> can you tell us? Can you tell us about this How to Horse Guide? It feels it feels like a like a almost like a mythical like object. <laughs> yeah, it is like a breakdown of how the horse speaks and like if you're gonna say the like we're to just cut it t apostrophe. It has like how directly <laughs> translate all the words into into horse. <laughs> yeah, it's like Yoda speak. You got to find a way to make right. them do it. It's, it's exactly. like, oh, it's like, yeah, it's like, and that was, uh, that was Al Ewing that came up with that, correct? Yes, there was a whole guide. I was completely bewildered by it. It's incredible. <laughs> like, what have I been sent? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. So, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, I so following up just a little bit, like where, in terms of like your work and then when, the comic hits the stand. So if you're at the tail end of the process and they got to go to print, like is, when you get done, you sign off on a comic, how long before it gets to my hand on a Wednesday? It's like a week, two weeks, a month. Like you're probably way ahead of the schedule, but I'm always curious about how much these creators, how long they create before it gets into my hands. I think I we are three weeks Okay. So from when I upload to the printer, it's usually three weeks to print it and get it out and distribute it to. Wow. Wow. Okay. And well, then, and then Thor's probably not the only book. Like, you, how many books are you juggling, or how many plates do you have spinning there in the bullpen <laughs> that you're working on? Like, in terms of, you know, they don't give you one title. You have, like you said, they give this, you got to go to print tomorrow. Uh, but but the, through the, the whole family. week, there's there's a ton of books that you're that you got kind of in in the oven <laughs> yeah i uh yeah i mean i'm on black panther i guess they have wakanda going now um midnight suns deadpool cool. coming back uh gold goblin thor and then that that's just like the past week or two and then yeah. <laughs> and then that's they have me, i I'm one of the people like I'll take on the weird stuff, the weird projects. And because of my background with working both with like the digital comics team at Marvel, because that's where I came from. Hmm. And so they'll hand me or pilot a lot of stuff with me, like the infinity comics. Now the ones that you just scroll yeah. through, mm -hmm. I, I was doing all of those in the beginning because we're like figuring out what works doesn't work and that's just completely snowballed i'm working on so many of those it's tough to keep track of at this point but and they pay you they pay you by letter right <laughs> i wish that <laughs> we would be talking we're gonna, to a resident billionaire Joseph that's Eno. right we pay you by letter yeah. and word and you're like okay oh man yeah. <laughs> it's like getting mileage when you drive for for a company yeah. uh did you by chance work on the alligator loki series no that's one of the few i have not darn it our our, our third host who was not able to join us tonight uh, his name is uh, uh chris uh chris faz and uh my goodness like he, he loved Alligator Loki so much. And I couldn't remember if you lettered it. 
he's he was excited to meet anybody in the process of, of that book but um but uh you also um you're working on all these infinity comics mm-hmm. you're working on all these different books uh it's just it's nuts to me like the 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 workload and the we were talking about how how much you've got to do uh in this time but i'm wondering if say in a, in a, in, a, in another world in another multiverse mm-hmm. if you're not lettering comics what else what would you be doing uh would would you be doing something else in the comics world or would you be doing something completely out of out of the out of left field i uh before i left the bullpen i actually wanted to head into coloring it's fun because i mean if i had downtime in the bullpen i could just pull up any inked art i wanted to and just dabble with that and then um yeah one day I got an email from Chris and he was just like hey do you want to come work for me (laughs) so went had lunch with him and just like you'll be lettering and doing a lot of what you do in the bullpen and so I just decided to make the jump (laughs) that's cool color because the coloring was the was the the fallback if uh if that's a (laughs) fair way of saying it um i maybe yeah i could have probably pursued that if i went to further but yeah lettering was just i thought it's gonna be really easy because i'm like oh i'm the bullpen i fix lettering all the time this is <laughs> right no problem and then uh yeah <laughs> i told chris sure I'll, I'll i'll come work with you and he handed me two books on lettering and i read them and then it's just like you've read the books go and then I'd have to go and oh my submit my work to him. He'd correct it, tell me what to fix, what to change. And then after, I think probably like six months of going through that routine, he finally just kind of let me spread my wings and fly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Here's eight books this month. Go. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, you know, everybody, I hope uh, I hope this little like, you know, kind of lettering 101 has been helpful for you. We're not done with Joe, though, because on the other side of this break, we are going to be talking about Road to War of the Realms, our last part of the Jason Aaron retrospective before we get to the big, massive crossover event with tie-ins and you know the avengers are there the fantastic four is there everybody's there literally everybody is there so we're going to dig into these comics and we're going to get ready for war of the realms with joe on the other side of this very brief break so everybody we are jumping back into part 13 yes part 13 of our uh, Jason Aaron retrospective for this year. We are so close, everybody. I lucky believe- 13. Lucky 13. There's nothing bad. <laughs> right? Joe, yeah. Joe, you joined us for such a great episode. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, look at these issues because this, this graphic novel that's collected, it's issues seven through 11 of the, um, what I'm calling the, the Mike Del Mundo Thor volume. And uh, we're going to talk about five issues that really don't have a like arc unto their own. These are all five issues that like we're getting ready for War of the Realms. We're, we're leading up, we're, we're kind of tying up some pieces and then we're also uh, getting some things that are gonna lead into, uh, into the big Marvel crossover event. But before we jump into the specific issues, Joe, like these issues lead up to a big Marvel crossover. 
what's it like to be a part of the process with like a big crossover event? Is there kind of like a, a big team effort or is it still like, no, we're doing one book at a time. Like we can't really worry about anything outside of, you know, the one we're working on right now. It's a lot more scrutiny. If they're like, there's a lot more eyes on the project. So it's going to go through more editors who are going to read, give feedback. Um, obviously it's going to be a lot more attention. A lot more people are going to buy the book. It's going to make it out to a lot more people. So there's a little more pressure in that sense. But for the most part, the events are planned out pretty well. So you're not just completely squashed and against the wall with them. But um, yeah, it's um, just it's a huge collaborative effort, though, as far as like even just doing all the like backup material, like the editorial content all that is is a lot more involved than a monthly because I mean like you have to do the next issues and like we had the giant trees with the covers and all right. that stuff and so it is a big to do it really was like walking up to the event like you're just like okay I'm in my Thor groove in my Thor groove in my Thor groove <laughs> and then like all this other stuff gets folded in and my style template exploded so if you looked on the side of the like file i'm working on there's all these new characters and different balloons i have to include and so it's a lot more involved but it's cool it's cool to like yeah yeah well, in that scale and like you like like we established um in the first part of our conversation you've been working on thor for so long um mm -hmm. that like we we've been talking about war of the realms at this point for years yes and, and jason's been dropping hints along the way and he's been talking about this this lead up you know uh, really our whole year of retrospective i was like oh my gosh they were talking about this all the way back in the initial malekith storyline um mm -hmm. all the way back with asad ribic and yeah, yeah. I was like, we've been talking about this for so long. It's like, are, like, are we, are we getting here? And, and um, we're, we're finally like, we're uh, literally the, the name of the last issue we're going to talk about today is the eve of war. Mm -hmm. And like, we're, we're just so close everybody. And um, you, yeah, there's a lot going into this and we're going to, we're going to jump into the first issue for today. And uh, we're going to uh, just kind of do a brief synopsis of each of these issues and Will and Joe and myself, we're just going to like, throw our little comments in here uh, we'll do a few selected readings that i found just kind of uh, really cool upon my reread and then uh i mean yeah we'll just have some fun uh talking some comics together quick so, quick question though like yes, talk about, I, I can imagine that like you talked about the scrutiny of like the big event that's getting ready to roll out how how much forewarning do you get <laughs> is there like a a herald of the major event that comes into the bullpen it's like <laughs> Here comes the big event. Get ready. Get your templates ready. Is it Will coming. Moss that does that for you right, guys? Right. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not entirely. I mean, is going on so long. I I think my original editor was Lauren Sankovich. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, I because I, I remember designing all the recaps and stuff with her for the original Thor God of Thunder. Wow, and yeah. 
yeah, it, it is it spans a few editorial teams. <laughs> and and the, of course, the, the editorial team we're currently talking about with, with the, the Road to War of the Realms was uh, it's Will Moss and uh, I believe Sarah Brunstead yes. is um, assisting. I Will and Sarah are two people I would absolutely love to talk comics with. Um, yeah. So uh, they they also like yourself worked on so many issues of Thor. Yeah. Um, they've seen a lot. So. Uh, th- this issue seven, the first one we're going to talk about, the- these are all kind of like um, probably as close to like single issues, like like standalone little stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I They felt very like um, they felt very standalone, but also like under the umbrella of War of the Realms, um, kind of off in their own little world. The first issue is number seven, and it's called Young Thor's Lament. And this is a story where uh, Thor has fallen in love with Midgard, um, you know, the, the pleasures and the excitement of Midgard. And Odin is like, damn it, boy, get back up here. You're like, you, you can't fall in love with Midgard like this. So Loki, of course, is up to his scheme. He says he can get Thor to hate Midgard. Mm-hmm. So Loki orchestrates this situation where Thor falls in love with Erica the Red, who is, I mean, she's a refined, uh, dainty, uh, you know, shy gal. Um, actually the exact opposite. She is, um, she is a sight to behold. <laughs> like, imagine like the, the, the berserker comic that's out right now, but like, you know, the, the slightly toned down version. Uh, she is, she is, you know, a Viking. She's the Viking of all Vikings and Thor and her fall in love. Thor goes away to fight a, a war, you know, cause that's, you know, that's what Asgardians do on the weekend. They fight wars. And, uh, then Erica, uh, there, there's this there's this uh, little bit of dialogue I wanted to read. It's um, towards the end of the issue. Thor is returning from the war that he has gone off to 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 fight, and he's he approaches the village. And he's like, "Ah, oh, the village has changed. Erica, your Thor has returned. Erica the Red." And then a, an old woman off to the side says, "She isn't here, but I can take you to where she is." And she says, she waited for you every day, standing on this spot, looking out at the horizon. It's a cliff looking out onto the, onto the sea. She seemed, it seemed right to bury her here. Thor says, no, no. Who was it? Was it trolls, raiders? Could it possibly, who could have possibly killed her? And where do I find them? No one killed her. She lived a long and full life, much longer than most. I think it was her yearning to see you again that kept her going so long so long i don't understand it was, i was only just i was only just gone for 40 years and then thor realizes that um that the woman he loved has been dead for a long time and uh she was she was buried just three days ago after living this long life waiting for for and and then he you know he breaks down and loki thinks that he's won he thinks that he's won that he's broken thor's spirit but this is a young thor and if there's one thing about thor that fans should know he's a pretty stubborn dude um so loki thinks he's won he also thinks that you know this gives him the right to try and lift the hammer that does not go well odin doesn't find that uh too agreeable and uh then we discover that thor's love of midgard is only deepened by erica's death and the last big panel is him raising a horn of mead and ale to Erica. And he tells all these stories to the Vikings that are there. Um, and he just ends it with, you know, she taught me what it meant to be worthy. So that's, that's issue seven. And uh, 
uh, Joe, do you have any, do you have any, uh, I know you, so many different issues, but like upon your reread, did you have any memories of, of this issue or anything that stood out to you as you were rereading this one? Yeah, I, I, it just really points out how like kind of wicked Loki can be. <laughs> and Very sadistic. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I know he's trying to go about it his own way, but like could some people in like <laughs> and then on top of that it kind of exemplifies like how like Thor and as guardians and gods view time in comparison to humans like you you just 40 years is nothing to that price it's the majority of a lifetime or a lifetime right so it, it i feel like this issue provided a lot of scope for yeah. thor as a character because of that like thing that's like her life she spent 40 years waiting for him and he thought it was yesterday mm-hmm. and um i i we found will in our last issue that we we talked about the uh the old the old king thor story where he and doom fight for like a thousand years and it's it's like you know then he emerges from the the molten lava and they're like oh it's over it's finally over um (laughs) whereas people on the ground are like (laughs) generations come and go and and pass but i i think this issue like what you're what you're sharing this kind of deep love it sets up war of the realms because if 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 this war threatens the existence of midgard it's setting up like this deep love for it and why Thor and others want to defend it and want it to not just let it go. Uh, it's just like, up, oh, we let it go and we'll move on to other things. No, there's a deep love and care for for Midgard, and, and we're not going to let. We'll, we'll fight for it and and risk our lives for it, no matter what. Now, like even young Thor, in his brashness and his stubbornness, like this is where it came from. This is why yeah. one of the reasons why he loves this place so much. Um, but we we quickly move back to um, the art the art for number seven. Oh goodness, um, the art for number seven was uh, Tony Moore, yes. um, and I, I hope I pronounce this correctly. Joe, please correct me if I'm wrong here. But uh, John Roush uh, was the um, color artist. I believe on... that's correct. Okay, so so number seven is a is a guest team, but on uh, in numbers eight, nine, and ten, we go back to our our new. Uh, our new artist for the Thor title, which is Mike Del Mundo. And um, so Joe, I, when I was, when I was a young Thor reader, when I was merely, but a Padawan in reading Thor, (laughs) I like, I looked at Mike Del Mundo's artwork and I was like, I was like, well, this isn't what I'm used to. I don't like, and, and in my, in my ignorance, I was like, I don't know if I, if I, if I like this, but now as an adult, I'm like, Oh my gosh, Mike Del Mundo is like a master. And working on working on his books, like you got to see three different distinct art styles of those consistent artists, like Assad's, you know, very like Renaissance painting style, and mm-hmm. R- Russell's like very detailed, like very like fine lines and bright colors kind of style. And then Mike's, I I don't even know if this is a correct way of saying this, but it's almost like airbrushed. It's like a it's like a like an airbrush uh painting i i i love it in its own way like there's three distinct styles here Mm -hmm. like working on these books like how did that feel like you know you go from these you know one style to another to another 
um what what was that whole like process you know adding to the creativity of these artists um i well it's Todd uh, unbelievable arts i got those first couple of pages in and you see those gods on the hooks and it's just like what am i getting into this <laughs> unbelievable like mm -hmm. i like working on a lot of the like darker more like i don't know i guess maybe like the bright stuff is fun but like when you get a chance to work on dark stuff it's like pretty cool it's kind of a treat <laughs> yeah and so I, I that was just that is that is incredible and Asad did most of the sound effects himself and hmm. once once in a while they'd want one added and so we have a font that's similar to his hand-drawn effects and so I'd actually go like we do all of our work in Illustrator I would actually go into Photoshop and just make sure that the sound effect would blend wow. in more naturally just because like it's just such beautiful art it's like i wanted to take that extra step to make sure that everything blended yeah and that's that's why you're a pro that's why you're in the bullpen man that's why <laughs> that you're reason there. alone <laughs> that, right you take your time like like but in terms of so you mentioned that sometimes you get just the pencils and not the color i mean mm -hmm. the art in this these next few issues is all about color so did you get yeah. the, do you remember if you got them in color because you in terms of placing lettering and and balloons you don't want to get in the way if something's going to pop in the art itself um do you remember if like it was colored or not and then how do you make those decisions about where to put those balloons and where not to put them Oh, for which run? I uh, the current the one we're talking yeah, about. The, the one yeah, we're talking yeah. about now. These next these next uh, like eight, nine, ten. Yeah. So I um the biggest adjustment for me was that all of his sound effects were hand drawn and mm -hmm. they almost have like a graffiti feel to them. Yeah. Graffiti, yep. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that is actually like this run right here is the first time I started using the brush tool in Illustrator to okay. start to hand draw sound effects. And so nice. <laughs> looking back, I'm like, I could do better now, but <laughs> that was like the- An artist I, looking back at it at their work going, oh, I should have done something different right there. So that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I, I just, the Thor books from, God of Thunder all the way up through this and toward the realms, I tried to keep everything organic and in the spirit and nature of the art. So Mike's yeah. work is, yeah, it's got, it's wild. It has a completely different energy. And so yes. I try, tried to match that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but you try to keep balloons off of heads, characters, um, <laughs> out of the way and it's almost like when you think of lettering you almost kind of want to have the balloons on a string that kind of like smoothly guides the eye you don't want mm. like right looking zigzag everywhere so um try to keep it in the panels and 
out of the way of the art. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're trying to add to the experience without taking away from the experience. Exactly. I usually say if nobody like notices you, you're doing well. But I mean, I over. I mean, I've been doing this probably 13, 14 years now. And there's been an occasion or two where you get a book with just like so much dialogue that it will cover up all the art. And so I've sent in pages where it's just like the balloons are just completely over the character and just like, uh, what was I supposed to do? Cut back a little bit, but it, it, I'm not getting paid by the word here, y'all. That's what <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> let's 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 let the art stand for. Themselves. I'm not doing I'm not doing Claremont's X Men here. That's right. Um, you know, <laughs> and there are times I feel absolutely horrible and guilty that there are like little details I just can't avoid covering. Right. Yeah, so. I bet. I bet. Wow. Well, so with um with you were talking about the difference in styles and i like i i I love that i love that description of like asad's energy is different like russell dodderman's energy is different like i i i regrettably i the first thor comic i picked up and bought was a um it was not an asad ribic got a god butcher comic it was actually um a russell dodderman comic so like when i when i have like fond memories of reading thor comics you know, I, I, you know, I remember Jay, you know, it's, it's like, I, it's like I was reading books with my friends, you know, my friends, Jason, Russell, Matt, Joe, you know, Will, like, it's <laughs> like, I have a fond experience of like reading Russell Dodderman's, you know, his, his art and, you know, Jason's dialogue that you bring to life. But like Mike, Mike was one that like, I had to mature as a comic book fan to appreciate his art style because I I think you hit the nail on the head. The energy is so different. It Mm -hmm. it feels both it's dynamic in a different way, but it's also softer. There's no like hard lines, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that, that I, as an amateur appreciator can, you know, notice, but um, we should probably get to issue eight. My goodness. I said, I said brief synopsis. Um, and so issue eight is called prison of angels and this is um this one we just kind of get dropped into a situation where thor and valkyrie are trying to get into heaven uh and they're they're in they're in uh the prison of the angels uh as from from the title and then uh angela is there and she is the wingless one which i love that name for her uh because mm-hmm. uh, she we we learn a lot more about her in the original sin tie-in of you know uh, thor and loki the the 10th realm and mm-hmm. uh sometimes i forget there's 10 realms now i i always forget there's 10 realms yeah heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know you know oh, like 60 70 years of, of comics i'm just like oh, oh right it's 10 now i forgot yeah um they get into this angel prison they break out and there's some sister brother conversation that happens and earlier on in the in the issue when they're still in the in the cell thor asks angela his sister that doesn't know him a ton at this point but you know they're familiar enough he says you know am i he asks her do you think i'm worthy and angela gives this great response that uh, that again i want to i want to read for you listeners um said you asked uh, angela says you asked if you were worthy I would like to tell you, yes, but I'm afraid I'm too scarred to ever be the arbiter of such things. I am not worthy of calling you worthy. I suppose you could say, I can only tell you this. 
You are the beating heart of the realm, Thor Odinson, not for Asgard, but for all of them, whether they want to admit it or not. Without you, the skies would be silent and Idrisil would be nothing but a gallows hung with dead worlds. So if you are not worthy, brother, then then what the hell hope do any of the rest of us have? And again, this is like playing one of those roles of like we're leading up to War of the Realms and Thor asks Thor asks the worthiness question in unique ways in the, each of these five issues. Um, yeah. And this was one where I feel like Angela just plainly says like, uh, you know, if you're if you're not worthy, then what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, like you like all of this kind of hinges upon you. Uh, so we yeah. we need you to believe in yourself. But um, Joe, on, on the reread of this one, um, you know, did anything stand out to you uh, in issue eight, the the prison of the angels issue? The uh, is it the first page where it's like all the Norn balloons? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> no, yes. Let's talk about that. That came pretty much laid out that way by Mike. And yeah, we... Uh, That's an insane page. He, he drew out all the balloons himself. And okay. I just had to go and put the text in there. And yeah, that rag is the... Uh, that's the uh, probably the first time I ever hand drew a sound effect in a comic book so. oh awesome <laughs> that's very rudimentary <laughs> uh, that's i mean yeah. that page that page is literally like thor's in pain and he's got all these voices saying these things to him torturing him essentially and his yeah. face is like he's got teeth busted out and he's bleeding you know from everywhere he's got boils on like it is insane how much um how much details in his face here but then there's probably what like 20 word balloons around his face yeah it's kind of nuts um it, so like when you you were talking uh, just a few minutes ago about the flow of dialogue mm -hmm. in a page like this does the flow of dialogue not matter as much because these voices are kind of hitting him at the same time yeah no it doesn't matter as much i mean it, it was all laid out for me as well so it's more or less just which line you want to be a larger font and which one you don't so I mean, <laughs> it's kind of you're just it's like a fill in the blank in that case <laughs> it wasn't something that i saw a lot like you know it, yeah. where the you know i obviously like art is supposed to make you feel a, a certain way or like you know you're supposed to have like a if you can't have an emotional response to art like you know um maybe maybe something's not connecting with you but like in that page like i felt the chaos mm -hmm. like i even like when i'm on my reread i was like oh it's a lot of word balloons i could i could probably i could probably just you know like oh read a few of them like oh i kind of get it but then i was like no, no 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 i'm gonna every single one and like imagine that i'm hearing all of this at the same time Mm -hmm. like what would my expression be and it would be thor's expression of like oh my gosh like it's just so there's too much too much going on here um yeah. that's a great page though that's an awesome page um but uh, uh issue nine issue nine is a uh is a, an awesome story it's it's a Roz solomon solo issue yeah and Ra like Roz is i don't like joe i don't know about you but like Roz is kick ass yeah um, if Jane wasn't going to be Thor, I would have mm -hmm. been in the Roz Solomon camp. Yeah. Um, Which awesome. I, 
I think there there was a lot of fan theory that she was one of them, right? When they were trying to figure out who the new Thor actually was. Right. But, but yeah, she's she definitely would have been worthy. She's a really kind of she she just hits a whole new level of like being a badass kind of <laughs> right this issue yeah, yeah. She, you're you're right like she el- she goes to that next level that even she she mentioned it in the issue she didn't even know that that was the next level that she was capable of because just mm-hmm. a little bit of a reminder for listeners when dario agar the minotaur and all of roxon when they level a uh, broxton uh, oklahoma and they destroy they try to destroy asgardia Roz kind of like goes unhinged and because because she wants she wants to bring Dario to justice so badly and that she she literally murders a bunch of the rock trolls that are trying to dig dig underneath there and um that's a, actually a, it's an interesting sub theme in this issue where she's like who am I am I the person that was the environmentalist trying to do the right thing and trying to bring people you know people like dario to justice or am i the am i the one that killed 17 trolls you know because i i couldn't i wasn't because i wasn't worthy so here's what here's what's happening here listeners in this in issue nine this issue is called the woman with the vibranium gun so you might be thinking vibranium that's a different guy uh so earlier on uh in in this in this uh graphic novel uh collection we we see that Roz is approached by the Black Panther and Okoye from Wakanda. And she's like, hey, we have a team, like a support team that is helping, you know, teams like the Avengers uh, get, you know, kind of like scout out stuff before they go in and, you know, actually bring, you know, bring the hammer down. So Roz is, she's recruited as this agent because S.H.I.E.L.D. no longer, you know, is an option for her. She becomes an agent of Wakanda and she goes on all these scouting missions in this one. She is uh, kind of tailing a bunch of dark elves in, in the, in the Bronx, I believe, or in, 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 uh, in New York where she's trying to figure out what they're up to. And she realizes that they're, they're planning for the invasion and she fights them. She asks Jane, like, how do you fight a frost giant? And they're like, well, first of all, you don't fight a frost giant. You call Thor. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that little part. Like they're, it's like their friendship, like encapsulated uh, into that one little like banter. Um, but then she determined, she's like, I need to figure this out for myself because if I'm not worth, if I can't do this, then like, what can I do? Um, there was a bit of the, the bit of dialogue from here that I want to read is when um, she she does she she can't fight the frost giant mano a mano, so she figures out a different way to deal with him, and it's pretty savage. Um, she says, uh, "I have questions, and you're going to give me the answers." She has transported this Jotun uh, frost giant to the Lut Desert in Iran the hottest place on earth. And uh, she says, or you're going to die right here in front of me, big guy. The frost giant says already shot me full of holes. can't kill me with your little gun. She says, Oh, I imagine I could, but I won't have to. It's 150 degrees right now. And you're not wearing a Wakandan super suit. Start talking while you still can. Then we jump to a little bit after Thor arrives and the frost giant is a puddle. 
And she has gotten the information that Malekith has the Black Bifrost and that that's how he's been getting around all the realms, setting up his little war. But Roz, like Joe, Roz goes metal in this issue. Yeah, it's no holds barred. She, uh, she really just, it's cool to see she had it in her. <laughs> right. she like she's like okay i am not the girl i used to be um and I, I can't just fawn over you know my my rejected love of thor uh anymore i gotta like i gotta figure out a different way to try and become you know become worthy even in my own sense because she does reveal that she tried to lift the hammer mm-hmm. and I, I thought that was a cool little like bit of information that we get from her um was there anything from this issue though that that, that stood out on our reread, um, this this very Roz centric, this Roz solo adventure. Yeah, it's it's just such a. I feel like each issue, of this arc just adds a whole different facet to all the little pieces that are like leading up to the War of the Rounds, and it just. Mike just did such a great job getting all the expressions and all the heartache she feels because she's still reeling over the loss of Broxton. It just, that's just pushed her and the art reflects it all. I, what do you, so you, you mentioned there that we're leading, obviously we're leading up to War of the Realms. We've mentioned it a time or two. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think this issue, this number nine, added to that lead up? Is it is it the Roz centric story or or something on the peripheral? I it's tough because like Dario Agar's got his own thing going on. He keeps his cool, but like you see that he is a part, even though he's telling her or playing dumb with her, but you know he's a part of it. And he's, he's always a part of it yeah oh my gosh uh he would be a character if dario ever shows up in a movie yeah he's not going to get the loki treatment where like they'd be like oh he's like bad but we kind of cheer for him like dario is he's a sleaze like Mm -hmm. and he's he's oh he's just he's icky (laughs) like you you read his dialogue and you're just like oh gross this guy like he's a jerk on every level yeah um has uh has Roxon been mentioned in the MCU? I'm trying to think. I can... So that's a good question. Uh I to my to my knowledge, Roxon is mentioned in the first season of Loki. Okay. They go to a Roxmart. <laughs> um, which I was like, that's awesome. Uh they have like a uh Sylvie and Loki have one of their first fights in the Roxmart. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I, you know, other than that, I don't I don't know. Uh, and uh, and for listeners of the show i just you know you know i like to call this out when i see it yes we do get an appearance by our our favorite rock troll um we do get an appearance by ulick in this episode i joe i have a thing that i i love ulick so much yeah. he's he's the big the big dumb brute that i just you can't help but love and yeah. um if we if we were showing listeners the video, I have my first appearance of Ulick uh, right behind <laughs> me uh, on my shoulder. That it always it reminds me there of, of my love of him. Um, but yeah, we get an appearance by Ulick, and yeah, that that kind of closes up issue nine, the um, the Roz Solomon uh, solo adventure where she takes down a frost giant by herself in a very very unique way. 
Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see Ulick pop up, I have to always go and check reference to see if he's a regular font or an Asgardian font. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it, it's just he pops up so infrequently. Like, yeah, of course, he is part of War of the Realms and all that, but I always have to go back and check reference to see what font I'm supposed to use. It, so, so like in this one, it looks like he has the the traditional Asgardian font. Yeah, but the Rock Trolls didn't get their own um, their their own uh, their own stylized bubbles or anything. No, no, they didn't get anything special. So, oh, darn it! Yeah. Uh, the next issue is so these last two issues were um, honestly everybody they were my favorite um, favorite two issues in this uh, in this collection. Number ten is called A Boy and His All Father. So if you're new to Thor comics or just new <laughs> new to new to the, the the Thor story in general, oftentimes Thor and Odin don't get along. <laughs> In this, uh, to put it very nicely, and this is an issue where those tensions boil over, and Thor and Odin not only they don't only fight like physically they have a, they have a, a fight uh, for a few pages, but there's a there's a conflict inside of Odin, and we get this story from Odin's point of view, and I actually found that to be super refreshing, uh, because I remember reading this issue for the first time and being like oh my gosh, we've been hearing from other people's points of view, this entire story, this entire lead up to War of the Realms, how everybody else thinks of Odin. And he doesn't really make many friends. You know, it's not exactly a new thing, but this issue is from Odin's point of view. Mm -hmm. And I like, I don't know about you, Joe, but like, I found that like unique because we don't really get his narration a lot. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. You just you get his narration, his feelings, which it, it's cool. It's cool to see what Odin was feeling. Right. You just think of him as the All Father, and he's just going to smite everyone, everything. And but it's there's some stuff going underneath the surface. <laughs> well, and and uh, and listeners, the the thing the. The, the, the theme that Joe's referring to there is Odin reflects a lot about his relationship with his father, Bor, and how, like, really what, I mean, I, I don't, I don't pretend to sit here and put, you know, thoughts and, you know, themes in Jason Aaron's head as he's writing out this story, but it's, it's really, a, I think it's a story of hereditary familial abuse being handed down. Uh, because he says, you know, Bor used to hit me, and that was the only time I kind of thought he cared because he was he was focused on me, and every time I'd cry, he'd hit me harder. And you know, it's it's a really sad story. It's a really sad story of how Odin was treated, but then how Odin he wishes that he would have stopped this cycle of of abuse and you know verbal berating. He wish he would have stopped it, but he just doesn't like the the, it's the narration and the the dialogue are kind of juxtaposed where like odin and thor having this conversation uh you know this shouting match uh where he's damning him and he's calling him a bastard and all this kind of stuff but in the narration he's like i love you like i i i I always loved you and there's this bit of dialogue that again i want to read for you guys where thor is just laying into 
um, he's laying into Odin's face with a hammer. And um, this is maybe one of the most gruesome Thor pages uh, I've ever seen. Uh, the, the, the page where it's like, it's, it's, the, the, it's the scenes of the fight within the hammer. I mean, it's a beautifully drawn page. Um, and uh, Odin says in the narration, um, I wasn't there when the boy was born, or I was, and I was too damn drunk to remember. Uh, have I said that before? I watched him grow up and became a better God than me and resented him for it. Even as a boy, he was more beloved and I called him arrogant and I tried to shame him and I cannot, I cannot feel my face as the hammer is you know, being laid into it again. My son is going to kill me now and I will die without ever having told him anything that truly mattered. I always knew it would end like this. Thor, oh my son, what have I made of thee? What grand and glorious thing would you be without me? Perhaps someday we will find out. I mean, there's a lot packed in here, Joe. Like yeah. this issue hit me. Um, touching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 brutal in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, just it, it's almost like just Odin knows how to press his buttons, but I'll never show it. it. It's like it's like when your dad finally tells you he's proud of you. Right. And, and, but like Odin's not willing to cede that correct like let on that he right. is. He's just always got that disapproving front to him. And it, this is like sometimes like when you'll read like thor and loki stories it's like man both of these guys got daddy issues you know (laughs) then you also realize like odin also has daddy issues yeah and like it's this it's this almost like this family curse he's handing down and um he just hopes that someday thor will break break the the chain that he couldn't yeah um i just I, i i loved this story it gives odin's perspective Mm-hmm. of the lead up to war of the realms and in yeah. issue 11 we get freya's narrative mm-hmm. leading up to war of the realms this is issue 11 it's called the eve of war and this one was super touching like as a parent i'm like i i i, I have two awesome kids and i just like i always think like you can do anything you can you know you can save the world like all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and freya is at the end of issue 10 they say like he doesn't need a father right now he needs his mother right now and Mm -hmm. so freya and thor have several conversations in this issue and freya has a bit of beautiful dialogue Mm -hmm. uh there they they they, there's this great thing where uh, a narrative device of the juxtaposition of thor's inner turmoil and wanting to find mjolnir and you know he needs the hammer to save the nine realms and you know the war of the realms he can't fight it without mjolnir because all these hammers are insufficient and the the inner turmoil he feels is outwardly expressed by tsunamis and storms all over the world and thor is freya takes him to one of the to hawaii i believe and he stops a tsunami and freya's freya's narration of this is so cool um because she says she says this um I I see that Thor's greatest weapon has come to life. Tis not the mighty lightning that splits the sky or the godly strength it takes to make waters recede. Tis not the wondrous hammers he holds in his mighty hands. It, It is his heart 
that beats inside his chest. Nothing in all the realms is stronger than the heart of Thor. I pray he hasn't forgotten that. I pray that he hasn't forsaken himself for his own sake, for all our sakes, for the sake of all the realms. By the grace of Thor, we will be saved, mortal and God alike. This is known in every depths of my soul for a very long time. So, I mean, it's this beautiful dialogue. Like, it's a beautiful, uh, sorry, it's a beautiful monologue as she's explaining how important her son is. Um, I I've, honestly, Joe, I, like this was my favorite issue um, that I've yeah. read of any comic this week. Um, and like, and I've read this before, <laughs> like, yeah. but uh, going back to this, like it's, it's a great, it's a great like last issue before literally all freaking hell breaks loose. Yes. And it, it's really interesting looking at these two issues like the dad issue and the mom issue like yeah. Odin and Freya but like back to back in the trade if you notice all the colors in the Odin story are cool you get a lot oh. of even all the blood from the fight scenes all that stuff are all like on the cooler side muted and then you flip to the Freya and you're in the sun. Everything's warm, everything's bright. And I, like working on each in issue individually, like a month <laughs> apart, you don't notice that. But looking at that now, that, that's such a cool transition, like the cold father and the warmth of the mother. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Well, that, I mean, whew got me right in the feels there yeah. um no it's it's totally true because uh listeners if you haven't read these stories and you're like let's just jump to war of the realms like what are we waiting for like i want the big crossover i want the big event i kid you not like if you like if you don't know the emotional stakes of the character going in like mm -hmm. then like big fights are big fights and you know malachis war is you know it's it's it's, it's fun to a certain point but like this this collection of the five issues really, I do feel like it sets the emotional tone for what the War of the Realms is going to mean for Thor, for Odin, for Freya, for Roz, for all of them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Joe, did you have any, like, as we kind of like, you know, next time that we do our, our Jason Aaron retrospective, it's going to be part 14. We're going to be talking about the big War of the Realms, you know, the, um, the, the chaotic, big, huge event. Mm -hmm. Anything like about these issues that you either remember or like you're just like on this reread you're like man like I, this really stuck out to me or um i want listeners to know like this about those issues well what yeah i mean just that just noticing that transition from the odin issue to the freya issue like that's really really clever in the use of color palettes that's just like like Mike really just did such a great job with the art as, as, as far as lettering like I had easy really like <laughs> Jason just does such a fantastic job like his whole run was impeccable and the artists just brought so much energy and originality to each of their takes on it that it just each individual like arc or run 
just has its own, yeah, its own energy. And Mike really did such a great job. It, it, it's cool to go back and look at this years later. Right. It's I been mean, so many years. <laughs> like, Yeah. And it's definitely, especially since it's such like a defining run yeah in my career yeah like it, it, everything was like thor 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 or deadpool it's like the two things right. i'm really known for are thor and deadpool yeah so kind of it's really cool to revisit all of this and just uh yeah i i have like a new appreciation for like that <laughs> storyline and what i worked on because like I don't really get to sit and read or dig into issues as I'm working on them. It's like yeah. they come in and they gotta go out. So it's really, it's really awesome to be able to take a moment and just like look back on. I mean, oh man, this is this is really cool. Like, because yeah. because here's the thing. Like we uh, we talked about this with um. We talked about this with um our, again our, our friend of the show someone who you'll you're you're working with on Deadpool Martin Cocolo, okay. um with uh where we we talked about like when he's doing art when you're doing lettering like when you're working on these issues it's like mm-hmm. it's like I, I'm I'm working I'm working here like I'm putting together this thing like and Martin even said like there was a piece of artwork that we were talking about and I was like Martin like seriously like how the hell did you do this and he's like I. I honestly kind of forgot that I did that. And I was like, how did you forget? Yeah. And, you know, because as fans, we're like, like we have these like connections to these things, but we didn't, we didn't create them. And to yeah. see like, like everybody, I wish you could see Joe's face as he's like flipping through these pages. Um, like those last two issues are, they're bangers. Like, yeah, they are not, like listeners, if you have no, no time to read all five of these, go read 10 and 11. Like Mm -hmm. if you're getting ready for War of the Realms, like read it all. But like ten and eleven, like the emotional beats in it are so freaking good. Um, And uh, I mean, Joe Joe himself just said like reflecting on an awesome an awesome thing you got to be a part of. Like that's just so freaking cool, man. Yeah, because like before rereading these, um, was it Thor and Loki go to hell where they had the hell train? Oh my gosh, yes. That, and that that's what stuck out to me about Mike's run. Right. Like, yeah, it just is such a wild, fun, crazy story that like that that's what stuck out to me. But like going back and looking at this, just like wow, there's so much more there than uh it's honestly joe it's why i've been rereading these books for like since they came out like i just i keep rereading them and when we were like what are we going to talk about this year on the show i'm like well i'm going to talk about the comics that i've read more than any of other comics because they're just so damn good um but uh any other final thoughts about our issues because then on the other side of this last small break we've got a uh just a fun thing we're gonna do with joe because it's the halloween spooky season uh and then uh we're gonna tell you how you can uh interact with joe and then find uh, more about what he's doing uh but anything else on these issues joe or have we have we shot our shot i, I think for the most part we just shot our shot it's just is such like it's so great to be such like a part of 
that whole arc story like the the Jason Aaron's run on Thor was definitely like a defining I, for my career so like all the creative teams were just absolutely incredible they top-notch artists for every single arc of it and they were all different and they yeah. all got their a games and right it just really is incredible to see what they were able to produce uh, and i i couldn't say it any better so on the other side of this break we're going to do our a spooky thunder round with Joe Sabino, and then we're going to get out of here. So we'll be right back. <laughs> uh, do you want to know what the questions are ahead of time or not? Uh, sure. <laughs> so uh, uh, so uh, first question, uh, the first scary movie you ever saw? Okay. Second one, uh, would you rather be bit by a zombie or a vampire? Okay. Number three, favorite Halloween candy? Okay. Number four, the best Halloween costume you ever had. <laughs> okay. And number five, your favorite spooky Marvel character. Okay. You can interpret the, any of these however you want. Like, it's it literally, this is just like a goofy game. Yeah. We did with Jason once, and I was like, sure, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, everybody, we are in the home stretch. We are nearing the end of our journey on the Rainbow Bridge today. But when we have like special, special guests on, we like to do something called the Thunder Round. And uh, this is, uh, I originally wanted to call it the Lightning Round, but when Jason Aaron says it should be the Thunder Round, we, we change it. Um, so here's the Thunder Round. We're going to do a special edition of this today. We're going to do a spooky thunder round because Halloween is just like, it's a matter of days away. So Joe Sabino, are you ready for the spooky thunder round? I'm ready. Okay. First question. What was the first scary movie you saw? First scary movie uh, may have been Friday the 13th. Oh my. Not sure, but I... <laughs> I know the first rated R movie I saw was Terminator 2, but I, oh, I think well, the, that's first, classic. the first like horror scary movie that I can think of, Friday the 13th. Or if I was a kid, you know what? Maybe Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> Ern oh my goodness. There's probably people listening that don't know what the Ernest movies are. Oh, that's a shame. Those Everybody, gems. go look up Ernest movies. Oh my gosh, it's yeah, so good. So, good. do you enjoy horror movies, scary movies, stuff like that? I do. I, I I love them. I enjoy them. I hit a point where I can't watch them before I go to sleep because then I'll just have nightmares. Right. So, you just have like a restless night of like, what was that sound? What was that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm on a work bender, I'll watch them at night because I know I won't be sleeping. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you, have a, do you have a favorite horror movie? Uh, I was always a fan of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So you really don't want to fall asleep. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> our our second thunder round question is a hypothetical. Uh, would you rather be bit by a zombie or a vampire? Oh, I'm, I'm going vampire definitely. I don't want to be rotting. Like, <laughs> I'd rather be some like svelte indestructible well not indestructible but like some spell being that doesn't die and gets to collect wealth over generations like <laughs> right so so you're like i want to if i'm going to be undead i'm going to be an ambitious undead person <laughs> exactly 
exactly exactly yeah so uh third question and this is a very important one because one of the things synonymous with halloween is trick-or-treating mm-hmm. what is your favorite halloween candy favorite halloween candy my adult years i would say reese's peanut butter cups yeah. oh that's 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 a choice selection so as a kid like were you like did you go like trick-or-treating in like the the swanky part of town or were you like no we got like tootsie rolls and like toothbrushes where where we were did you get like king size candy bars or, or anything like that yeah i was very fortunate to grow up in an area where yeah it, it was just everybody was into halloween so you, oh. could get, you could get a really nice haul you go out there to your sleeping or your uh <laughs> your pillowcase and you just uh you my town was two square miles so like everyone knew everyone and everyone oh. knew the good houses to hit and joe just brought up a good point you gotta know where the good houses are you gotta know i know my my kid my my kids are so excited for halloween my Mm -hmm. my son is gonna break out his new thor love and thunder costume with his hammer we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be repping our favorite superhero um if my my daughter could find a squirrel girl costume she would definitely wear that um but they don't make that um number four speaking of costumes what was the best halloween costume you ever had best halloween costume i ever had was probably so my friends handed out invitations for their halloween party and said come in a costume or come naked (laughs) (laughs) i went to a dance store and bought a skin colored full body leotard (laughs) <laughs> just put a little felt leaf over the crotch and oh my gosh that's wore a, wore a naked suit to a halloween costume and people would not make eye contact with me it's great <laughs> <laughs> wow um i gotta say that is the most creative interpretation of that invitation uh that maybe i have i could have imagined yeah. uh, no that's awesome that way to go man like that's that that's take some bravery uh kind of i guess um no shame <laughs> last question who is your favorite creepy marvel character favorite creepy marvel character so many different ways you can go with this you know what i'm gonna go with sleepwalker and okay i don't even remember the last time he was in anything i I don't even know if he's still alive or still around. I just remember the trading cards. Oh, okay. Leapwalker looks so spooky and like so cool. For for listeners that maybe don't know who Sleepwalker is, who who like real quick, like the the trading card description of who Sleepwalker is. I see, I I just I can't remember. I just remember how he looked and that like he floated around and there was smoke and like he's ominous looking yeah and so that that's like a character that just popped out to me as a kid oh man sleepwalker that i'll I'll be honest i was like thinking like oh maybe like man thing ghost rider you know like morbius like no 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 we're digging deep into the barrel we're talking (laughs) like 90s marvel like you know just random issues of like spider-man and stuff like that no 
Sleepwalker. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk to my editors and make a push like somebody revived Sleepwalker. Oh my gosh, you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> Joe Sabino single-handedly going to bring back Sleepwalker. There we go. Yeah. Um, Joe, this has been such a fun time, man. Like you've been so generous with your time and I, I hope our listeners have really enjoyed this chat talking like you know how how comics get made but also talking about um you know your part of being in this jason aaron run um how can fans find you how can they interact with you and what are some things you have coming up that uh fans might want to check out um so yeah on twitter i'm just joe sabino it's a j-o-e-s-a-b-i-n-o and on Instagram, I am Joe Sabino Letterer, I think. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, stuff I'm working on, uh, well, Deadpool should be coming out soon. Uh, Gold Goblin. Yeah, I'm on Black Panther. Uh, <laughs> tons of stuff. Yeah. Uh, if I'm working on some really wild crazy fun stuff with jerry duggan so if you follow his social media or especially his sub stack like we there's some really cool stuff in the pipeline and okay and so i don't know go, if i can talk about it. i can just say keep your eyes out <laughs> well no like hey go check out jerry duggan go check out joe go check out black panther thor deadpool is coming up uh, i mean there's so so much going on like you said you got so many books to work on and you know look for yeah. Look for your stuff in Infinity Comics on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, um, yeah. Really, wherever good comics are found, Joe Sabino can also be found. Oh, um, but Joe, I thank you so much again. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, everybody, you can go find us at Mighty Thor Podcast. Uh, you can check us out on Instagram. That's where we are mostly right now. You can just for a few bucks a month, you can join the Thor Corps on Patreon and you can uh, get bonus episodes, early episodes, and you can be a part of determining what creator are we going to talk about next? Are we going to talk about Jack Kirby in 2023? Are we going to talk about Walt Simonson? Joe, who, who, who should we talk about next? Your, your opinion of Thor creators, Matt Fraction, maybe. I would, oh man, that's tough. I, you may sway some voters here. May sway some voters. <laughs> Kirby for the Kirby Crackle. I, oh, I, you know, how, how could how can you say no to Kirby Crackle? Yeah. It's, it's too yeah. good. So, four core members, keep in mind, Joe Sabino endorsed Jack Kirby. I mean, how can you not? He's the king of comics. Uh, so. Everybody, if you want to join the Thor Court, we would appreciate that. Thank you for all your support. You can leave a rating and a review on iTunes. That would be awesome. But for myself, for Will Rose, for Joe Sabino, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And as we'll end this episode, how we end every episode. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at in the nine realms, don't, don't forget that you need to stay worthy. Absolutely. This is great. Thank you. <laughs>